0: This is Bucket Listening from First Horizon Bank, sharing firsthand stories from people who have found a way every day to live their bucket list.
1: Everyone has aspirations. Often people see them as goals to be accomplished sometime down the road. But we say, why wait? Welcome to Bucket Listening, where we're talking to amazing people who have found a way every day to live their bucket life. Hi, I'm your host, Tabitha Scott, and I'm so excited that you could join us for the show today because we have an amazing guest, Donna Orender. For Donna, her bucket life is centered around challenging the status quo by believing in the positive and the possible. With her can-do attitude, Donna has a love for sports and thrived as an athlete, earning all-star status in the Women's Professional Basketball League, working as an executive for the PGA Tour, and becoming the second commissioner of the WNBA. Today, she runs her own business, Orinder Unlimited, and has founded Generation W and Generation WOW, a nonprofit that focuses on enhancing and motivating the lives of women and girls. What fuels Donna's bucket list? Living with courage, curiosity, community, and connection. And along with Donna, we also have the pleasure of chatting with Abel Harding. Abel is the North Florida market president at First Horizon, and he's worked closely with Donna over the years to ensure she's been able to turn her bucket list into a beautiful life. Donna and Abel, welcome to bucket listening so happy you're here he's so are you you. kidding we're here right Abel? we're thrilled
2: we're absolutely thrilled to be here thank you
1: awesome i'm so excited there's so many questions that i want to ask you both of you and donna let's start with you and uh, let our listeners get to know a little bit more about you and your background you've been involved with athletics throughout your life as a player on the court and as an executive in the boardroom could you tell us a little bit about your lifelong love of sports and how'd you first get into business after playing in the women's professional basketball league? Okay. So I,
0: I was just a girl who loved to play. What can I say? I loved, I loved sports. I loved watching them. I loved playing in them. I played every sport that I possibly could. There was this thrill of being with teammates On my team sports, there's this thrill of competition. There's a thrill of pushing yourself to a place where you didn't think that you could go. All of those things actually set you up pretty well for a business life. And ultimately, when I was playing professional basketball in the women's first league, which is the women's, the WBL, it was called, I had gotten a lot of inquiries from the press to do interviews. And I started doing sports casting, if you will. I did radio shows. And that just kind of naturally led into my post-athletic career. I was kind of really bummed, if you will, that my first career was already over and I hadn't even hit 24 yet. But that said, it just kind of led me into the world of media, especially sports media. And that proved to be a great, great place to learn about the world of business and then figure out where I wanted to go from there. So let's talk about what position did you play? What was your sweet spot in basketball? I was a shooting guard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and I laugh because I, I still see some of my teammates today and they go do you remember when you didn't pass to me and I said nope I never remember not
1: passing. <laughs> Ever, you know that was back in the day I played point guard whenever I played and certainly didn't go as aspirationally far as you did but in those days you would take the ball out and you were always the one to dribble it down the court and I remember that feeling of how's everybody going to set up and Uh, you know, to me, it's almost like walking into a big meeting and you're prepping for your presentation and, you know, is everything in order? Is everything going to go well here? Could you say a little
0: bit more about how sports has carried over into your business life? You know, I played tennis, so I played individual sports, but I played a lot of team sports and I basketball became really my passionate love. I love it to this day. And when you're on a team, you learn about responsibility and accountability Right, you win together, you lose together, and everybody has a role. That role could change, but accepting that role in the service of the greater good—that's right. I think that gets really lost today, especially with young people coming up. They want to be the boss right away, and I'm like, fine, you want my chair, you can have it. But the one thing I know, ne- people say, what would you? what thing would you say that you want to leave it? You have to work for it. There's no AI here. That's going to give you the automatic experience or knowledge, right? Or the, or the understanding where what's good and what's bad, unless you actually do it. And when I played, I, you know, I didn't run the fastest. I didn't jump the highest, but I played at an elite level and I was able to accomplish things because I was in passionate pursuit of excellence. And you know what? People could work as hard as me, but no one was going to work harder than me. And I do feel to this day that that is so important.
1: I think you've hit it spot on, working hard and being part of a team. Abel, what about you? Is there a sport you particularly like? And do you see the correlation between the field or the the court and the office?
2: Absolutely. So I, I grew up playing sports too. And you really do. You learn a lot about when you're on a team, it is not an individual performance. If it becomes one, that's to the detriment of the whole group. So you have to learn to work together. And that's that's probably what I learned from sports. And it certainly has carried over into life.
1: Now, Donna, after that, you spent 17 years at the PGA Tour, where folks say you really kind of revolutionized the way that that type of golf was packaged and presented on television. Could you tell us a little bit about the biggest lessons you learned on your sports journey from going to player to
0: executive in that particular role? It was challenging. I, I first, like from an individual perspective, I was a woman working in a male sport, which was very, very unusual, and a male sport that didn't have a lot of women. I was working in men's professional golf. I was from the North and I was working in the South. There was just so many things that were different. And particularly throughout is that you keep your eye on the prize, right? The prize is what do we want to achieve together for this company, right? What, how are we defining success? And then how are we going to work together to get there? And there's always bumps in the road. There's always detours. There's always unexpected happenings. And I think, you know, it's funny as I interview for people now, that kind of resilience is something we want to filter for. We want to find out who is not going to be deterred, who understands that, yeah, I might have to go out of my way to get to the way I'm going, because that's really so important. And at the time when I was with the PG tour, which was a long time, you know, we were a challenger sport, believe it or not. When we started, we had great stars. I worked with everyone from Gary Player to Jack Nicklaus to Tiger Woods all the way through. But, you know, each step of the way in order to build our business, there were lots of challenges. But, you know, I learned how to embrace them and embrace them with a great team that we built. We built an incredible production, television, global distribution, programming, digital entity that supported the work of the tour. And I'm really proud of where the tour is today because I can still see like, you know, I got a call not too long ago. Do you have that paper you wrote up about this kind of hub and whatever? Like, you know, the ideas set foundations and then people build on them. And that's always very gratifying.
1: And I think it's really important, you know, growing up in a home where my dad taught physical education and we always had men's sports on the television. And so my heroes for like Kyle Macy or, you know, the other guards that, that were men, because that's what we saw on television. And with the WNBA, you know, they had eight years of decline in audience, but you were part of that turnaround. And I'm I'm happy to say you helped spark that five consecutive years of growth. And actually during that time, my own parents shifted over and started watching women's. Sports, It it was right at the time I was already going to college and getting out of the house, but I think it can't be understated how important that is for girls and athletes to see role models for themselves. And so at that time period, before you made that transition, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, he asked you to come in and, and lead the WNBA during its most vulnerable point. And what was that situation like? At the league when you joined, and what was your philosophy as you turned those things around over the six years you served as president and commissioner of the league? You
0: know, I thought like I knew what to expect. It's sports; you're playing with a ball. I went from outdoors to indoors, and have to worry about rain delays. Right? Um, You're working with elite athletes, but I nothing could have prepared me for what I saw when I got there. The attitude, the cultural milieu of uh, the the um, sexism, the racism, the homophobia, all of these things, the, the lowered expectations because it was women, even though our sport at the time rated higher on cable television than even MLS or the NHL, it was a, a tremendous learning experience. But we take it one step at a time. I don't know why then I had my vision. It's funny, I can still feel like the visual was when I got there, I felt like not only were the plugs not plugged into the wall, but they there was no wiring. And so I felt that we had to rewire and then connect each of the you know, essential energy, electric pieces that would boost up the entire business. And ultimately, we built a team based on belief. You had to believe in what you were doing. And we started with, you know, there's always early adopters. There was always a passionate core. I'm sure that Abel sees this as well. And then you build those concentric circles out wider and wider and wider and always at this, always at the edges. There are people who will never believe in their naysayers. And I also learned how to say, okay, that's fine. Go say nay. We say no. We, you know, okay, you won't matter to us, right? You're not going to be the difference maker on whether we're going to be successful or not. So we're not going to spend time on you. And that's a valuable lesson to you is, is to learn how to hear, not hear no right? That you can't do it. But also when you hear no in certain situations, it's like, okay, fine. Go, go be you.
1: Yeah. And those redirections, the no's are equally as powerful as the yeses because it just lets you go faster. You know what doesn't work and you can just redirect and keep going and keep going a little bit faster. And that's what happens looking at the turnaround that you created there, um, really created this ignite moment. So- after leaving the WNBA, I want to talk about your own firm that you founded, the Orender Unlimited, and the nonprofits, the Generation W and Generation Wow. Could you tell us a little bit about that, the inspiration that you gained from mentoring
0: others and what those are all about? I'm happy to. I, you know, I came back home. My kids were getting older. I knew I needed to a- and wanted to be here more present because they were here. I was up in New York and I felt like the work on behalf of women and girls was just part of my heart. And Whatever I did, I wanted to do something more. And I had my consulting business and people were calling and I had some amazing, amazing projects. But I wanted to do something here where we live in Jacksonville, uh, where Abel is. We know we have a gem of a place, but we also knew it was seen in a rather provincial way, even by ourselves. I mean, I just saw that in a report I heard yesterday. And so I started to go around and said, everything I've learned, I've spoken all around the country. I've spoken across the world. I think there are great women. I think there are great people. I think there's a benefit in recognizing the value and equity of everyone's contribution. And so uh, because I had a background in production and television, I started to say, let's create a thought leadership here. In right, Jacksonville, interesting in the beginning, it was a little bit of, uh, I don't know, people were a little like thought leadership in Jacksonville. That's kind of paradoxical. Can you do that? And I'm like, listen, we're here. We believe in excellence. What do you believe in? We believe in goodness. We believe in greatness. We believe in excellence. As long as we're here, why not Why not work for that? What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't happen. And then you try again or you try a different way. And so uh, about 13, 14 years ago, that's what I did. and I, I created this idea called Generation W. It's all about educating, inspiring, connecting women. And it's, about, and it's about building community at the same time. It's not like women are on some outpost somewhere, right? Just like you no know, ethnic people are on some outposts there. People of color, right? And, and people would just, we're all together. So if we learn how to appreciate each other, we elevate one, we elevate us all. And so for the first year, we just, that's where we started. And we had 700 people show up. They had no idea what they were showing up to, <laughs> it's like amazing, but they loved it. And they said, we want more. I love that. And so like in any kind of effort, when people ask you to do more, you step up. And then the second year we had girls on the stage. They were a very diverse group. We had 950 attendees that year. We said, who are you? What's important to you? How do we help you? And that reaction was electrical, right? It, 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 it was amazing. And so we then started Generation Wow. We just celebrated 10 years of that, which is a leadership mentorship program for teen girls. Focusing on the positive and the possible. And I have to tell you, dear to my heart, if Abel could have been with me, I would have brought him. But the other night, we, we were going to launch 17 to 19 new clubs here. I mean, every year for the school season. And we had all the women, the facilitators who will be leading those clubs and their passionate pursuit of lifting others, of caring about young women, about how it helps them feel that they are doing their best is so. Uh, I can so it's, it fills your soul, right? You know, we talk about bucket lists and usually we think about like going to some great place and I do, but a bucket list should be finding the things that speak to our souls that, right? Make our hearts feel like they're pumping in a way that's impactful and meaningful, right? Thank you for
1: that. And you're both very engaged in sparking action in the community in a very positive way. Abel, I wonder if we could hop back over to you for a minute, and I'd love to know more about your ideas around connecting and how important is that in your work, in your passion, and in your own bucket list.
2: Absolutely. I I love what Donna said about finding what speaks to your soul. And I think we live, and I don't think Jacksonville's unique in this regard. But it's, it's a bunch of different communities and, and the, the worst thing that can happen in a city is for people to pull into their own neighborhoods and into their own, their own circles and not find the collective of what can be done together. And so for me, that's what it's about. It's about connecting people who think differently, who look different, who have different belief systems and getting them to engage with each other. And I love being in a room where no one agrees on everything. I think that's amazing because that means we're doing things right. That means it's not a group thing. And I can still remember the first time that that I met Donna and, and became aware of Donna. And I, this is someone... This is someone that I want to know. That was the first thing I thought uh, when I met her is this is someone that I want to get to know because she has an amazing energy and she is one of those people that when they walk in a room, you feel it and you know, this is someone who just imbibes positivity and, and possibility. And so I wanted to meet her. And so I set out to figure out a way to meet her and really enjoyed the opportunity to learn from Donna. She's incredible. And it is, I believe our lives are best lived when we're connecting with others and consistently challenging ourselves to find people who are different from us, who who have different beliefs, who have different stories of origin, and learning from them. Because that, that's what makes life interesting, at least for me. Uh, and I think we're all better when we, when we spend more time learning from everyone that's around us and understanding who they are and where they want to go, what they want out of life.
1: Donna, a lot of people have daily routines or affirmations or mantras that help keep them going or align themselves. Did you have any that you employ as you're going about the next best thing? Oh,
0: wow. You know, it's so interesting. I probably do. I I will say this. I really believe in self-talk. And therefore, if I'm in a situation that I'm feeling uncomfortable with or it's challenging or I'm feeling overwhelmed, which could be part of every day, I always say to myself, you can do this. And a lot of that actually stems from my athletic training, right, where things were really hard and I wanted to achieve. I built this, these muscles that were able to be responsive and showed me that even if I thought I was at my limit, I could go a little bit more. But this idea of one bite at a time, right? One step at a time is really important. So this podcast is about finding a way to create your bucket
1: life instead of just a bucket list to do later on. So tell me about your relationship to a bucket list throughout your life. Is it something you're continually adding and removing things? Or has it just been like a few items that you want to do later on? So... Abel, let's start with you.
2: Oh wow, there is a list. Of course, there's places you want to go and things you want to do, and I've done I've done the uh, many of them. Lots, lots more that I still want to do, and hopefully I get plenty of time to do them. But I think the bucket life is really something that that I've probably in the last five to ten years really started to lean more into. Maybe it's middle age. This is a very big year for me with a big birthday in a couple of weeks. And so maybe it's thinking more about why am I here? What am I spending my time doing? Who am I spending my time with? For me that's and it's finding Donna Donna referenced it earlier the things the things that warm your soul, the things that bring you joy. And I know what I love to do. I love being around my family. I love spending times with friends. I love laughing. And I love doing things that that I feel are helping other people. Um, I love getting to know people and it's finding those things. And it doesn't have to be a grand, here's the 100 things I must do before I die. It's trying to find the joy in every day. And I actually have a little magnet on my um, refrigerator at home that says, find joy in every day. And I think for me, that's what it speaks to.
1: Yeah, that's great. Donna, how about you? I'm writing this down. So I have
2: it. I'm flattered. I <laughs> said, Donna would write something down. I said, I'm flattered.
0: Listen, I think, think we've got to. Find, I think we have to find there's joy in everything, everywhere, every day. But you have to be intentional about seeing it, feeling it, and then owning it, which I think is really important, right? Because there's, I always talk about the magic, the miracles. You know, everybody's waiting for this big flash bang thing to happen. It's like your bucket list. And it has to be the most audacious big trip or place in the most remote area, and it doesn't have to be that at all. I mean, it's it's, it's all sprinkled through. But unless we want to be open, alert, and um, intentional about being present in all those things, and I don't want to sound too new age here, but I do think that's really important in order to live your best life. And I will say, Abel, I, I, especially now, even these last couple of weeks, every single day I wake up, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What should I be doing? Is it something different? And you know, we all get into patterns for a variety of reasons. Patterns give us comfort, right? I go here and I do this. I don't have to think about it, whatever. And, but um, I think, you know, pulling yourself out and asking those questions help you build a bucket life. And I want to add to that also. I feel like when we're asked to focus internally on what makes us happy, there seems to be this unsaid thing that we're not focusing about people around us. And you've heard Abel say several times now he loves people. He likes connecting people. He likes all different kinds of people and to bring them together together. And I just would love as part of our greater conversation in our bucket list bucket life that we talk about that connectivity and responsibility to our greater world around us, because we are not good or great or best without a world around us that is striving with us to be those things. They might be a little bit different. They may be culturally, you know, interpreted differently, but it's hard to feel great and good. Right, you know, if you're if you're in your family and your kids are sick, you're not going to feel so happy, right? And they always say you're only, especially as a mom, probably as a dad, able you're only as happy as your least happy child, right? We are impacted by those around us, and understanding, I think, is the call to not only make sure that we can be. I always thought, think it starts here. I have to be here to be able to help here, so I feel responsibility for both.
1: Yeah, and does that for each of you? Does that cross over the connectivity, the understanding, the joy? Is there a line between business and work and home and self, or is it all blurred together now? What's your philosophy on that?
2: I think in this day and age, it's all one. We don't leave work and switch on gears at home like we may have done, you know, 50 years ago. There's kind of a fluidity to it now. Many people work from home, obviously. I mean, it's just our, our lives are very intertwined and... And recognizing that I think is is very important. I mean, so figuring out if you're going to find balance in your personal lives and find fulfillment and joy there, it has to be also the same professionally because they're so intertwined. You can't You can't change fundamentally who you are when you walk in the door of a building or fire up a laptop. It doesn't fundamentally change who you are. So finding that joy and that fulfillment personally blends right into professionally. I think they both have to be addressed to have a true life that you would say this, I'm living my bucket life. You got to do both.
1: Yeah. Donna, how about you? Are you a separate work life or are you a
0: blended? I've been blended always, right? You know, as a working mom, I always found and working in sports and fun areas, I always felt the best way to be. And you go to events at night and and now I know the bankers do that too and during the day and it's the weekends. And so I always felt it was best to bring my family to be a part of it. And if they felt a part of it, it would be better for us in most ways. I do feel like you need some separation. I do need to shut my brain off every now and again. It's hard, but I do think, especially working from home, right? What's the best part of working from home? Now I can go do the laundry. Like you know, I put a load in before we got here. Like, hello, and then I can keep going. So this idea of interlacing our family home responsibilities with our work life is something that has a lot of benefits. But I also do need that we have to give give ourselves a little reprieve as well. Abel, I'm curious, when you're working with
1: folks that are in their own business and have this very busy career and personal life and they're trying to continue that business and grow it, what are some of the most important things that you advise them to consider?
2: First of all, it's understanding what their priorities are, what they want to do, what they want to accomplish, and then really making sure that they have the team around them to help get there. And so teams are a lot of difference. It's, it's obviously who you work with. It's your your bankers. It's, your, it's all your professional services, your attorneys, your CPAs. It takes a village to help people achieve their goals. And so that's really where we start with conversation is where do you want to go? And then do you have the right tools and the right team um, to get where you want to be?
1: And helping folks meet their bucket life, you know, instead of just a list, helping them unroll that by clarifying goals and helping them reach each of them is a really important step. Now, Donna, as far as when you're growing your business and what you need in a financial partner,
0: is there something important that you look for in a partner Yes, there are things. One, I want I want somebody who understands who we are, has experience with our business and what we possibly may need and where we can go. I want somebody who has a depth of experience that can bring that, that says, here's what I've seen and learned, but there's always new things that we can learn together. So, and I want someone that's like, you know, you like being around. Now, how does Abel size up for that?
1: <laughs> I mean, like Abel,
0: like I'm looking at him, it's like, yes, hello. Like, that really makes it great. And it's trust, right? You really want to have somebody you can trust. And I think that's why Abel's been so successful. I think people will just truly trust him, for him to act in your best interest. And that's important.
1: Yeah, it is. Abel, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see clients facing now who are trying to start a business or, or make their dreams work right now?
2: Sure. There's, there's always a lot of noise. This is true in life. There's so much noise. And and staying focused is really the key. And so, you know, markets do go up, they go down. They can do it in the same day. They can do it in the same hour. And really, just like in life, you have to learn to tune it out, stay focused on what you're trying to accomplish and where you're at in the moment. Donna mentioned it earlier about being in the moment. That's true across every facet of our lives. And if you're growing a business and you know where you want to be and what you're trying to do it's staying focused on that and sure, interest rates rise, markets stumble, all these things happen around us. But, but if you learn to tune that out and stay focused on exactly what you're trying to accomplish, you know, we've seen obviously people can be incredibly successful in doing it.
1: Nice. Now, before we move on to our final rapid fire question game, I have one last question for you, Donna. What's something that you recently checked off your bucket list and what's the next thing you want to achieve? I
0: always wanted to go to Norway and kind of sail and cruise on the fjords. I just thought there was, I don't, they called to me and uh, we just went and did that. And it was, I know why they called to me because I will go back. This wasn't like a check it off. I won't be back. It was so stunningly beautiful. It was like being in geologic history and you can honestly feel the planet and its formation and it's just its glory. And um, you also get to see how people and growth impacts the environment in terms of development. All of it was great. And I was with my family and, and I loved it. What am I looking to do next? It's a really good question. And I'm not exactly sure. My husband has a plan and I think he we're focused on his plan right now. He wants to do something really special and he's been an amazing, amazing, amazing partner. And so it's his turn to call the next shot. And maybe, you know, that's another thing about bucket listening is listening to the people around you and hearing what they want to do and saying, okay, I'm partnering with you. We're going to do your thing next. I love that. I love that. So
1: rapid round questions. Abel, I'm going to start with you. If you had 25 hours in each day, what would you do with that extra hour?
2: Oh, I would do what I keep telling myself to make time for, meditate and do yoga <laughs> every day. I think that's what I would squeeze into that extra hour.
0: Yeah, i love that. Mindfulness. Donna? Funny, I thought I would say I would work out or go for longer walks because so I could be more active. First thing popped in my mind, I would read more. Every day, I would love to read more. Yeah, absolutely. Donna, you've met and worked with some of the
1: world's biggest names, both on and off the court. And Abel, now I know you get to work with some pretty incredible and accomplished people as well. But is there one athlete or one well-known public figure from either the past or the present that you wish you could meet and enjoy a meal or a conversation?
0: Abel, you can go first. I'll go (laughs) second.
2: Wow, that's a hard one. If I could go back and the, and you can't you can never go back my great grandmother was was part of my life until I think I was thirteen, and I would love to be able as an adult to sit down and ask her all the questions that I would have loved to have to have known. She was born right before the turn of the century just 20, 30 years after the Civil War and saw so much I would love to sit down and just ask all the questions that I didn't ask as a ten year old
0: if you think about people who have had the most incredible impact on the world throughout and continue. I mean, I would have to, and I think about this a lot. I would love to have, I would love to be able to go back to Jesus's time and say, Hey, okay, like what, what's going on here. Right. And really understand and see firsthand that remarkable period and the remarkable people who were part of it. Absolutely. There was a lot of
1: transformation going on. I would love to do that too. So what is the most unexpected piece of advice that either of you were ever given? Maybe you weren't quite ready for it at the time, but it keeps ringing more and more true as time goes by.
0: Is there a certain piece of advice that you'd like to share? I can jump in on that one because I'm smiling as I think. Unexpected, somebody said, never say never. You know how you always say, I'll never do that. I'll never meet that person. I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to talk to you again. And I realized early on that 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 person was right. Like never always happened. (laughs) So never say never still makes me laugh. So true. So true.
2: Along those lines, don't burn a bridge. (laughs) because it is you know i think of the the community that we live in here in jacksonville i think this is true around the world it's a small world and the person that that you that you say i'm done not going to not going to you know kind of just completely burn it down you could find yourself back in a close interaction with them 3 years later or whenever it is but that that's one that's always stuck with me and i've seen it play out in my own life over the years
1: I just need to say a big thank you to both of you for joining us on the podcast today and a really special thanks to Donna for sharing her inspirational story and perspective on life with us. And thanks to all of you for listening to our conversation. I hope you did enjoy hearing from Donna as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. If you did like the show, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This has been Bucket Listening presented by First Horizon Bank. I'm Tabitha Scott, and I hope you'll join us again soon.